Welcome to the Snowpocalypse edition of NetFront Presence here during the All-Star break. We've got Jim Thomas and Tom Timmerman, our intrepid beat reporters. I'm Jeff Gordon again with you uh, at the break, fellas. And, uh, you know, when you look at the big picture, you step back, you'd have to say that uh, all in all, despite all the adventure, uh, JT, the Blues have to feel reasonably good about where they sit. Yeah, I, I think so, especially when you factor in the uh, amount of injuries and the amount of COVID. And of course it's hit a lot of teams and hit, hit uh, quite a few teams, uh, uh, you know, very forcefully, I guess we'd say, but I think the blues probably would say they've had more than their share. And especially when you start right around that Thanksgiving uh, uh, time, uh, they had like a tsunami of uh, injuries and COVID and uh, you know, to think they 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 wrote it out and they're where they're at right now. I remember they get a they get a hat trick from Nathan Walker. They get five victories from Charlie Lindgren and contributions by by others. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, so, some uh, hit some uh, bumps, uh, speed bumps uh, right before the break. That game against Winnipeg, it looked like uh, uh, I refer to it like they the, the kids in school. They had they had one foot out the door for semester break and, and weren't all that engaged in the, in the, uh, in, in that game. But yeah, yeah, they, uh, they're in a, they're in a pretty good spot right now. Yeah. I think the first half of the season here went a lot better uh, than it at times looked like it would have gone. And I, that maybe is a, a concerning thing in the second half, just that since the first half went better, do, does, does, does fate catch up with them in the second half not go as well? Because I think the first half, considering everything they went through, the lineups they had to field at times, the number of guys from Springfield, they they are in better position than they should have been, yes. You know, JT, looking at the, the picture, we we're working on the uh, some of the grades for the, the midterm, if you would, and uh, up front, it's, uh, it, it's pretty astounding. You know, I, I had five guys that you couldn't mark down for anything wrong. I mean, you had, you've had breakouts from uh, Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas. You had Pavel Bujnevich is remarkable, strong, uh, all-around season. Uh, you know, Vladimir Tarasenko back to being Vladdy. Um, you know, it, it's there. It just um, it, it's very imp impressive what happened. And then of course, Ivan Barbashev, who has been a basically a third and fourth liner, typically a fourth liner, he plays his way into a scout into a scoring line role. So you've got five guys who either took a big step forward. Or, or just delivered a very strong on-point season compared to their career norms. Yeah, yeah, and uh, then you have a guy like Brandon Saad who comes in and and fits in very quickly. You know, unlike say uh, uh, Tory Krug's first season or Justin Fox's uh, first season. Granted, those were on uh, were on uh, defense, and now lately you've seen O'Reilly and uh, Braden Shen uh, spring to life. So uh, uh, so far, this is kind of a prototypical maybe even above the norm, uh, Doug Armstrong team of uh, balanced scoring. It's the strength of the pack, I guess, uh, so to speak, as uh, Colton Pareko once referred to them, the, uh, uh, the pack. They have seven 10-goal scores uh, at the midpoint of the season. And, and uh, you know, unless it's changed in the last day or two, Colorado's the only team with, uh, with more. So they, they got a lot of firepower. Goals are, are coming more easily for them this year. Yeah, that's one of the things that's kind of amazed me about this team is just how, and it kind of moves as a group. 
no one goes and gets a big, you know, is five goals ahead of everybody else. It seems like one guy scores and then the next guy scores and the next guy scores. But there, there's never been like a more than like a two or three goal gap between most of these guys. It's just this big chunk now. It's right around 15 goals. And they, they just keep kind of moving in lockstep, uh, taking turns. So I mean, you could say no one's getting really hot, but everybody just keeps scoring goals. And there's not going to be, I guess there could be a 30-goal scorer. But um, yeah, just one big blob of forwards going forward. You know, looking at the the guys who took the biggest step forward, um, you know, I got to start with uh, with Robert Thomas. I uh, really was hard on him last year because you just couldn't find a whole lot of evidence that he that he actually played. Um, when you just he just it was just an empty year for him across the board. Well, he's still not a physical player. He's still not a guy that blocks a lot of shots. But when you look at his playing time, up about six minutes. Um, you look at his uh, faceoff wins. You know his role increases. His scoring rate increases. His responsibilities increase. Uh, this JT is a quantum leap, not one that uh, I don't know if it's a surprise. It's long awaited, but certainly a, a dramatic improvement. When you, especially when you look at his usage from uh, you know last year to this. Yeah, I I uh, had a, a a long interview, like about a half hour interview with Doug Armstrong, kind of a, uh, and I've done this every year I've been on the beat, except last year, kind of a state of the blues at the All Star break, and it, it'll run in the next next few days, but. Uh, uh, obviously there, we didn't do it last year because there was no all-star game or all-star break, but, uh, you know, Armstrong points out both with Thomas and Cairo, uh, every step along the way in their careers, they've been at the upper echelon, uh, the top of their games, whether it be youth hockey, junior hockey. Now, Thomas went straight to the big leagues. Cairo was an all-star in, in, in the American league as well. So in, in, in a way, they're just achieving kind of, kind of reaching their form. Of course, that, it doesn't always happen that way, but uh, you know, it, Armstrong said it, one of the steps you, you get in the league and then you kind of, okay, you're a player and then you become a good player. And he said, they both made the steps this year to where uh, they're good players. And now the last step, the hardest step is, can they be great players? And, and that's kind of up to them. And in, in the case with Thomas, uh, he uh, uh, really took, I guess, the exit interviews to heart where they said, well, if you want a top six role, you want more minutes, you're going to have to get in great shape and come back and earn it. And he and he did. I think I don't want to say things maybe went easily for Thomas, but every step of the way he succeeded, you know, at the highest level. You know, he won a Memorial Cup. Uh, he was world juniors, uh, uh, highly. Uh, uh, high accolades in in uh, in junior hockey, and then he comes in. What by age nineteen, he'd won a Stanley Cup. Well, uh, uh, you know, as Dick Vermeil used to say, you're either getting better or getting getting worse. And you know, maybe a part of him said, "Okay, I'm I'm here. I've arrived." And he got a nudge from management and coaches to, "Hey, you need to keep working. You need to get better." And uh, it looks like he really took that to heart. Yeah, you know, the, so much of those minutes are because he kills penalties. He plays more defensive time against other teams, top lines. He you know, used to be, you know, wasn't taking defensive zone face-offs. If there was a zone start there, he wasn't out there, but now he is uh, more often. So he's getting the chances. Defensive numbers still aren't great, but he's also seen a big jump in the quality of players he's going up against. Um, so that'll be, that'll be the test for him. You know, Cairo, 
you know, what Jim just mentioned, Cairo was in 2016 played in the CHL Canadian Prospects All-Star Game. 2019, it was the AHL All-Star Game. And now in 2022, he's in the NHL All-Star Game. So he has moved up being, um, you know, the, the elite in each league he has been in over the years. He still has to get better defensively, but, um, you, you know, the way, the way Jordan Cairo is playing now, you know, is, is exemplary and uh, really bodes well going along for him maintaining this and that he, and he really doesn't get as much ice time as he should because he doesn't do, can't do as well defensively. He hasn't earned kind of that level of trust yet. His minutes are up, but they have even more minutes that they, that are there waiting for him uh, when he earns those. Yeah, JT, the exciting part for the Blues is you know, this is the type of player you need in today's NHL. The Blues still want to you know, grind teams. They still want to possess the puck. They still want to wear on opponents. But you've got to have some ability to score off the rush. Now, you could argue they won a cup without having that explosive element. But every year it goes by, the game changes just a bit more. You know, I think it's personally Kill McCarr is causing most of that. Uh, the way he plays the game. That's the NHL now, and the Blues have a guy. He's just a one-man rush. He can take the puck at a moment's notice and make something happen. Today's game, JT, you have to have a guy like that. Yeah, it, it's going more and more towards uh, uh, towards uh, uh, skill and speed, and uh, uh, the Blues are a more skilled, uh, speedier team, and, and Kyrou's at that at the uh, at the at, at the head of the list, and 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 you you do new you do need that. You figure at some point in the playoffs, you're going to need to, uh, uh, you know, maybe emphasize more physical player grinding. But it, it doesn't look like you can you can have maybe the highest level of success without at least some element of what Cairo uh, brings to the table, and and Thomas to a degree as well. Yeah, I was talking to an analytics guy, Jack Frazier, who was sharing some numbers with me about how. Uh, Cairo is among the best. I mean, we're talking in the top five or 10% in the league on getting the puck out of the zone, getting the puck into the zone. Uh, he just, his zone exits and entries are among the best in the league. And yeah, that's just something that, you know, talk about a valuable thing to be able to do, get the puck into the zone. Cause we all know what happens when you can't get the puck in the zone, you know, over the, especially on power play situations where you spend 90 seconds skating around trying to do it. You give it to Cairo and there he goes. So um, invaluable guy to have. And then what he can do with the puck when he gets it. On the uh, more negative side of, for the guys up front, uh, David Prons had just a, a nightmare of a year uh, health wise, and then offensively uh, production wise. But uh, the flip side is, you know, he's still a really good player uh, defensively and he's got some, some really good uh, some numbers on, on that side of it. But, it's just hard to imagine the guy that started the year so fast and played so well last year uh, from the offensive side, JT, going to such a, a deep scoring slump while here, especially lately, his overall game has looked okay. Yeah, yeah. He's maybe the, uh, the, the, the one guy up front when you think of like top nine guys that, that really hasn't gotten going. Uh, you know, Shen has gotten, gotten going uh, finally and, and, and O'Reilly to at least to a degree. And, uh, but it, it just hasn't been there for Perron. He's had some games where he's had really good chances, just a couple inches there, a couple inches uh, one direction or the other. And, and, you know, he might have three, four, five more goals. Uh, you know, both he and Shen uh, in recent uh, Zoom interviews with us, you know, uh, uh, have, have talked about, 
kind of the, I don't know, maybe the changing face of the team with, as you mentioned, the, the, the further emergence of Cairo and Thomas, the addition of Saad and Bujnevich, Barbashev's, uh, 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 I don't, it wouldn't even be a revival, just kind of, kind of breakout offensive here. You know, everybody, you, you've got to kind of uh, succumb, I guess, if you will, to the, the whole team concept. It may mean maybe you're not getting as much power play time. It may mean you're getting a couple less minutes. And, uh, you know, maybe the che- the team is changing where maybe the focal point isn't so much Perron and O'Reilly. I almost feel strange saying this, or even Shannon. It's shifting more to uh, players like uh, uh, Cairo and Thomas. And, and uh, you know, there's only so many slices of the pie. I, I pointed out like a guy like Saad, who's, like tied for the league among several for the lead on the team and power play goals. And recently he, he's barely been on the unit on the top unit because everybody's uh, healthy. So uh, you gotta, for Craig Berube, it's kind of a balancing act. You gotta kind of keep all these guys happy and motivated. And, and uh, again, it's a problem. He hasn't had to worry about too much, but you know, finally they're healthy and with the changes in the testing protocols, they have a chance to avoid getting, you know, a ton of guys on the COVID list. And so they, they going forward, they, they, it seems like, you know, knock wood, they have a pretty good chance to have all these guys together. You know, I was, I was looking at Perron, some of Perron's numbers and his, his rates have gradually dropped, you know, goals per 60 minutes, ice time is 1. 1.4, 1.3, 1.2. He's down to 1.0 this year. So he's seen a drop and it, it has been only going in one direction. And you wonder, this is a contract year for him. He's a free agent after the season. And going into this year, just based on his performance, I would have thought, you know, they give him another two-year contract, re-sign him at about the same because he kind of keeps going. But now you wonder, how does that affect negotiations with him going forward? Is it a, does a one-year deal you know, look more likely at this point, just what's the situation going to be? Cause this is a pivotal time as to what is David Perron's uh, future with this team. Yeah. And you, you just, you look at all the issues JT and, and the good news is they've got so much to play with up front, you know, neighbors had a very good camp showed something. He's more of your bottom uh, three bottom six guy, but he eventually, I think could be at least the third liner. Uh, and you've already talked about who's getting the offensive focus in the top six. Um, you know, my guy Costin, you know, he, he wants to stay in the league. Uh, I'm not sure about Logan Brown because he's drifted here lately, but geez, I, I definitely got to see uh, Joshua as a fourth liner next year. I mean, he has really shown well. So you got a lot going on here in terms of uh, it just goes on and on with the depth. Don't can't really have time to talk about all the guys in the first half, but Geez, a lot of guys in, in what it, when given the opportunity, JT, uh, you mentioned Walker earlier. And uh, man, it just, just, I wouldn't say an embarrassment of riches, but, but it's impressive that how many guys are pressing the organization for opportunity. Yeah, I think Torbchenko's probably co- uh, close to. I mean, he, he'll probably make a bigger push. They, they know a little bit more about him. And Walker's lighting it up in the AHL. He had a hat trick for Springfield. Uh, uh, the, 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 the other night, I think the one thing that, uh, uh, this showed the, uh, you know, uh, this Springfield express that they, they had to go to, it showed maybe they are, uh, a little better stock than we thought. I, I don't know how, uh, uh, if management or coaching feels the same way, but, you know, 
even in the case of management and coaching, they see these guys, they think, okay, we think he can help out uh, uh, with a big club. And they actually came up and, uh, and, and did. Now, what they don't have in the system is another Cairo or, or, or Thomas. But uh, uh, like you said, uh, uh, Jeff, they've, they've got some players, uh, you know, kind of pushing, uh, pushing at the, you know, at the doorstep. And you wonder, you know, what it does for, a guy like Perron, who's up, a guy like Bozak, who we thought may have been finished with the Blues last year and came back for another year. There, there's a chance those guys might not be around next year. Yeah, they're exactly right. I mean, there's going to be tough decisions here. And, you know, Ryan O'Reilly has got two more years. What, what's the situation look like for him, a guy who's become kind of synonymous with this team? Well, what does his next deal look like uh, going forward? So there are, there are tough decisions when you look at the guys they're invested in, the guys they've got on long-term deals. It's like on, on the defensive side where they got a bunch of, they got three guys with long contracts who are going to be there. And so there are, you know, there are guys that they've kind of made a step to build around and including their goalie, Gordon, Jordan Bennington. Well, and speaking of the defense, we'll, we'll shift over to that side and uh, story of the year. Is uh, is Justin Falk? You know, he was the story of the year last year on defense as he made the transition from, um, you know, the offensive-minded guy who didn't do much of really a whole lot in his first year, was sort of caught in between roles and and uh, without a comfort zone uh, with the note. But uh, boy, um, very nice year last year. Maybe faded a bit. Very nice this year, JT. This is a guy that's uh, been able to become a well-rounded player. Uh, who can shoulder responsibility, and while not an all-star, certainly a way better all-around defensive player than I ever thought he would be, uh, and and a guy they desperately need to be that guy. Yeah, uh, for, for and and kind of my uh, my image of him, it, it looks almost like, and maybe he was a better defensive player than than we thought in Carolina, which obviously covering a Western Conference team, we 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 don't we don't see Carolina all that often, but. Uh, it almost seems like he's he's reinvented his game. I mean, maybe he was, like I said, a better defensive player. So I I think he's. It sounds weird to say. I I, I think he still might be the most underrated player on the team. And you put him together with Krug as your second pairing, and boy, do you, you really have something. Now Fox offensive numbers are trending, I guess, a little higher this year, but he's he's getting. Uh, especially with Perunovic out, he's getting more, uh, uh, he's getting more time at the candy store as they call it, the power play. And, uh, uh, I think Tom had the stat on uh, or wrote about it. He, he was, like, had like 18 games in a row where he was uh, either even or plus and, and, and Krug's had, had similar numbers. I think they were both minus two in the Winnipeg game, but, uh, yeah, they, they, uh, uh, no issues at all with that second pairing and, and, and stronger defensively than, than I think we, uh, anyone thought they'd be. I, I, I seem to preface all of my answers with, I was just looking at some numbers, but I was just looking at some numbers on Justin Falk. And really this is, if you look at his isolated impact at, at hockey viz from uh, those numbers there, he, he, this is the best defensive year either ever. And his defense and offense are kind of flipped. If you were to graph them together, the lines have kind of crossed and he's now, playing better defensively and not as good offensively. And, you know, he's, he's like a 90th percentile defensive player right now out there, which is, you know, a, a, a wonderful thing for the blues to have, uh, you know, and he's still, he's maybe below average offensively now, 
but there's getting stuff out of him and those numbers may go up as his situation in which he's being used uh, changes. So uh, it's been a, you know, and, and for a team that values defense, especially at a time when Colton Pareko's defense, not as strong as uh, had been hoped. Um, Falk is certainly picking up some of that slack. Tommy, Tommy would, your, get, would your biography be, uh, I was just looking at some numbers. Just looking at some dot, dot, dot. Uh, when I when I covered St. Louis University, Jim Cruz once said, "Tom, you're a numbers guy. What what about this?" So it was a legendary uh, answer from Jim Cruz saying, hey, "You know, you're, you're a numbers guy." There you go. Um, before we get to Pareko, just touch on Krug for a second. He uh, he gets the most sheltered usage of the uh, of the guys who've played a lot of the top four, uh, with the focus being on the offensive side, which probably explains Falk's uh, lack of production on even strength. Uh, when he plays with Tory, because Tory's got the green light, but uh, you know, within that sheltered use, you know, keep him keep him away from the kill, uh, focus on the power play, uh, careful, somewhat careful usage uh, at even strength. Um, played well, been okay defensively. Certainly not a great defensive player. And uh, JT, as we saw again here uh, just the other day, uh, has some edge. Has some edge to his game. And uh, we're, we're seeing more of it, and I, and I love it. And, uh, uh, you know, with the flashbacks to, uh, was it game six in Boston where he, he streaked down the ice without his helmet and uh, plastered uh, Robert Thomas, or it, it was one of the games in Boston anyway. But I, I, uh, I just love, uh, uh, was it was it Dubay that he ripped his helmet off? And uh, there was another player where uh, a couple games earlier, boy, I forget who it was, where he's on top of him and Krug is so short his legs were up over the ice <laughs> while he's pounding the guy. But what I really like is in both of those instances, kind of the glare, he gets up and has his Tory crew glare at the guy. Like, you know, come on, come on. You want a piece of me? So it, it has been fun to see that, that part of Krug's game come out. Very entertaining. If both Tory Krug and Nico Mikola have been very irritable lately. I'm not sure what's, uh, what's going on there, but those guys have been in bad moods and have been, uh, as they're you know, almost picking fights uh, at times out there. They have been, uh, they've been instigators, I would say. All right, speaking of a guy that needs to be more irritable, I had a tough first half, for sure, Colton Pareko. And I, I did not – he did not grade well, as you would expect, because all the numbers are bad, whether they're basic numbers or they're fancy numbers. It's, it's all bad for Pareko. But the one, the one thing I'll say is that he, he got the absolute hardest usage of their – of their defensemen. I mean, he has just been put in the, the toughest positions, uh, the toughest assignments, defensive zone, starts, kill all the things uh, he's been given the toughest load. And, uh, and it's been, it's been tough. It's been a struggle. Uh, and the other aspect of it, you know, trying to get to a point where he has a working pairing for that enormous job of being a shutdown in a shutdown pair. You need to have both guys playing at a high level and uh, not to make excuses for, for Colton, but between his assignment and who he's been playing with, JT. Uh, it's been a lot, and he's frankly not been up to it. No, it's been it's been tough for him by all accounts. He's he's healthy, and and uh, you know he hasn't missed a uh, a practice. And and there's still some things that are a little overlooked with him. He's he's, he's uh, once again he's going to be uh, uh, if not the top shot blocker on the team. He's he's going to be uh, he's going to be up there. But uh, I don't know. Maybe we have to come to grips. Uh, you know, we we kind of always looked around the corner or looked down the horizon with Colton Pareko and thought that he would be a, a great player. And, and maybe that's just not going to, to happen again. The offense 
I can live with because especially with it, with a defenseman, a lot of the offense comes if you, if you're, you're getting a crack on the power play and he's been getting a little bit, but not a whole lot, but uh, uh, yeah, I, he, he, he needs to be better, especially for them to make any kind of run in the playoffs. He, he needs to be better. But the coaching staff has not given up on him. He's averaging 24 minutes a game. He leads the team in ice time. They're putting him out there. They're putting him and Mikula against the other team's top group. You know, Falk is second in ice time, and he's almost a minute and a half below per game. And and Pareko's not getting power play time. So um, they, the 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 coaching staff is is, is seemingly has not has not changed their stance on Colton Pareko. And speaking of Nico, we talked about his irritability. Now he has come a long way this year for being a guy who wasn't playing to a guy that's now finds himself in some shutdown situations in some very tough scenarios, you know, on balance JT, I think uh, they have to be encouraged, but again, I go back to, to Tom's point about usage and, you know, and, and what I said earlier about Colton's usage, um, <laughs> he's not being put in, he's not being sheltered. Let's put it that way, JT. He's, he's being, he's being no. exposed to a lot. Uh, I think he's overall holding up, but again, they're asking a lot of, of, uh, of Nico. Yeah. 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 Surprisingly so holding up, uh, except for that, you know, the notable uh, kind of meltdown uh, in, in, uh, in Calgary and uh, uh, but a lot, a lot of minutes, I mean, a tremendous jump in minutes and, and uh, also a, a tremendous jump in, uh, in responsibility. And uh, you know, as he's, he's kept Jake Wallman on the bench. I mean, uh, Mikkel has been in there so long. We forget that the job was Wallman's as, as the, uh, fifth or sixth defenseman at the start of the season. Jake started what the first 17, 18 games, and now he can't sniff the uh, sniff the ice. Yeah, it was just a, a complete reversal there. Where started the year was Wallman, Mikula couldn't get off the bench, and now it's now it's the other way. And I, I mean, I think the Blues. You know, I don't know if it's a finished thing. I, I think Mikula may be the defenseman equivalent of, of Ville Husso, and it's, it's a year of learning the game and getting in, and then. They hope for big things from him, and um, I, I think he's going to get a chance, and he's going to get plenty of chances here the rest of the way. And as far as the third group goes, you know, uh, Robert Bortuzzo's been spot on. Robert Bortuzzo gives you, um, you know, what they were hoping for, block shots, um, you know, rugged play, uh, careful usage, although his penalty kill is critical, careful usage so much at uh, five on five, not much of an offensive threat, but – but he's been right where he needs to be. And Marco Scandella, with less usage, a more more careful usage, uh, has mm-hmm. seemed to have stabilized JT. Yeah, he re- he really has, and and maybe that had to add a lot to do with it. You know, lesser minutes, uh, uh, less exposure to top lines. Uh, Scandella has some physicality. He's he's uh, uh, he's passing, I guess, a little bit more carefully than he was over that uh, kind of befuddling. Uh, uh, befuddling stretch and uh, uh, you know Perunovic uh, uh, you know in, in my interview with Armstrong they're as high on him as ever they think he, he'll be close to being ready to play when they they come back but he, he kind of hedged I, I asked him about the uh, you know maybe you'd send him back to get minutes and, and he kind of hedged on that which makes me think that maybe that is at least uh, a possibility but uh, you know the the defense we, we looked at it as a work in progress. Obviously they they've settled on the eight guys uh, that they, they want to go with. And uh, again, 
we, we got to wait till uh, potentially to March 21st to see if they change anything there. But uh, that's that's still I mean, we're, we're being redundant. And that's still the focus, though. Can can this defense hold up uh, uh, well enough? And I, I think it uh, uh, it still kind of remains to be seen. I mean, they when, when they're playing at their game and, you know, they, they had stretches against a couple of those four one games against uh, Dallas where they, they just, it was, it was almost uh, clinical, you know, uh, how they played and the, 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 the win over Calgary when they're at their peak, they look, yeah, really good. And then, but they still, boy, they, they still have some, some deep valleys and probably a, a few uh, uh, too many of those to, to, to make any blues fans uh, totally uh, comfortable with what's going on back there. Yeah. That's, you know, it's the question that's going to stick with this team until the trade deadline. Scandella can't be in that spot on the, on the top pairing. Can Mikula do it? Uh, or do they need to go out and get someone else? Because if it's not Mikula, there's not another candidate on this team to do it. So it's, it's Mikula or they've got to hit the market uh, for another defenseman. Hey, the last topic is one that uh, we have uh, flogged in the net front. Uh, what could that be, is, Jeff? <laughs> yeah, the goaltending. And, uh, you know, amazing story. I mean, it's been uh, surprising. You know, one, you look back at last year, Vili Husso was nothing was inspirational about his, you know, he held up okay, but nothing that made you get all that excited about his, you know, his prospects for this season. And then he goes and saves the season while Bennington, who started the year well, uh, was in great shape and seemingly uh, the first few weeks of the season, ah, has has at this point, JT, I guess we have to say that uh, Bennington has become something of an enigma. Yeah, he, he, he really has. And he, he has had, again, if you look back at last season and uh, the year before, he's had midseason slumps. I don't know if he's had, had anything maybe as deep. I haven't looked back and I need to crunch the exact numbers of, of the, the three slumps he's had. But that's, I think, even beyond – okay, how does Mikula do and, and how does the, the blue, the blue line players hold up is like, what, what happens with the goaltending situation over the, the second half of the uh, season is, is, is Bennington just going to sit in the back seat and uh, as uh, uh Huso drives the bus, will, will Bennington get it back? And can Huso? uh, there was a moment and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, uh, do a little tell here on Tom Timmerman when 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 he gave up the third goal. Remember uh, in the in the uh, Winnipeg game, he said, "Okay, is this is this the end of the the legend of Ville Husso?" But uh, yeah, I mean, w- w- it, I still ask: Is Ville Husso real, or is he he's going to suddenly turn into a pumpkin at uh, at some point? So that's that is the overriding question and the whole uh, the whole goalie situation as as we uh, as we uh, move forward here. Yeah, I mean, if St. Louis fans know that a goalie can appear out of nowhere and go on a great run, but it doesn't happen very often. And uh, to say it's going to happen twice for one team in you know a span of five seasons is is asking a lot. But I the thing I think about is what if Jordan Bennington had been chosen for the Canadian Olympic team? What would the Canadian what would Team Canada people be saying right now? If NHLs are going over. And the guy who's the backup goalie on the Blues is one of the three Canadian goalies. That would have been, oh, they'd have been they'd have been going nuts north of the border if that situation had played out. Yeah, well, it would have been a nice vacation for Jordan. I don't know if he would have, he would have had to work around him uh, in those games. But uh, 
We will see what happens after the break, uh, a 10-day break for our heroes. It gave us a chance here to assess the team. So we appreciate JT and, uh, and Tom's time. Reminder that we've got lots of great stuff uh, in the Post-Dispatch and on stltoday.com uh, through the rest of this break into the start of the second half of the season. And, uh, fellas, it's going to be a ride. So uh, hopefully tell all you folks out there listening, tell your friends about us. Make sure you uh, join us down the road as we uh, chronicle what happens with our, uh, our our heroes on the ice. For Jim Thomas, for Tom Timmerman, I'm Jeff Gordon. Until next time, see you. Thank you.